Hi, and welcome to the Healthcare Improvement Podcast, brought to you by Healthcare Improvement Scotland, an organisation that enables people to experience the best quality of health and social care. I'm Leon Armstrong. And I'm Chris Jarvie. Every month we'll bring you a new episode where we will talk to health and care professionals about the importance of continually improving health and care. We're all aware of the pressures facing health and care services in Scotland in light of the COVID-19 pandemic, as well as the pressures on services that come with winter. But our hospitals are not the only front line for these pressures. Primary care services, which include general practice and community pharmacies, to name a few, have also felt the strain and are dealing with their own issues. But they haven't been alone. With our organisation's help, many have been finding innovative ways to problem solve. To find out more, we'll be talking to Alison Frankland, who's the practice manager at Murray Coast Medical Practice, and Dr Savannah Irving, GP at Perth City Medical Centre, to find out more about the problems they've faced and how we've worked with their teams to overcome them. But before that, let's find out more about the types of pressures that general practice can face, how our primary care access programme came about and what it's looking to achieve. To answer these questions, I'd like to welcome April Masson, our organisation's primary care improvement portfolio lead. April, if I can start by asking, what kinds of issues do GP practices face and are they the same in different parts of the country? Hi, Leona. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, You know, as improvers, we always talk about the importance of data. So I just wanted to first share a piece of data that I found quite interesting. I didn't know this, but primary care provides over 620,000 consultations per week in Scotland. I thought that was just a huge number and it's a massive volume of work. Um, and these are these are consultations that all take place in people's local communities. So it's it's a really important um, service that's provided there. Um, so there's a long list of professions actually that provide this service as well. And it's not just GPs. There's nurses. There's admin staff, pharmacists, physios, mental health nurses, lots more. So it's a real multidisciplinary effort to to offer those services and people are doing their their best with these services, but they also know that there's room for improvement and places where different ways of working can free up time and make sure that we can offer patients better access to the services. So the aim when we're doing this access work is always about making sure that people can be seen by the right person in the right place at the right time. And yes, you're right. Populations are very different across the country. And um, but we have seen some of the same themes emerging when we've been working with the teams that we've been working with over the last few months. So a large number of teams have worked with us around appointments. And many of us have experienced, I think, or heard stories in the press about sometimes it can be quite difficult to get an appointment within primary care. So practice teams really recognize that and they want to work on that and they want to make sure that they can make the process better for patients. And so the other thing that people have been working on has been care navigation. And when I spoke earlier about that multidisciplinary team, this care navigation is really about recognizing that sometimes it's not the GP that people need to see. It might be somebody else that's better to provide that care. So teams have been working on how they route patients through to the right person to make sure that they get the right provider, you know, for their needs, whatever their issue is that they're they're calling in for an appointment about. 
And then finally, one of the things that takes up a lot of time, particularly for GPs, but also for admin staff in practices, is prescribing. So when a person needs a prescription, um, they might actually need it on a long-term basis, but they've only got it to be refilled. Like uh, They have to come back and get it refilled each time. There's better ways that, we, that, that practices can manage that through creating repeat prescriptions or serial prescriptions. And that means that there's less to and in fro in for the patient, but it also means that it takes up less time for the practice as well. So our organisation is helping GP practices to overcome some of these issues. How exactly are we working to help? I think I've mentioned that there's very little capacity in primary care right now. And um, one of the things that we have been doing is just making sure that what we are offering is something that primary care can actually use in the current context. So for this reason, we've developed a program which is number one, short. It started out as eight weeks, but now it's been condensed down even further to seven weeks. So our program runs only for seven weeks start to finish. And number two, it's really well supported. So each team gets an improvement coach and that improvement coach helps them collect or just use the data that they already have. So they're either helping them to collect data in, um, in a series of spreadsheets or they're helping them to pull data from their existing systems. And that helps them to pinpoint their challenges. Now, most teams already know what their challenges are, but having that data really helps them to be confident about the decision about what they're going to try and change or what they're going to try and improve. So they choose from a range of existing change ideas. So we have a number of different toolkits that we've worked with different teams across the country to produce over the years, and they contain tried and tested changes that we know work. So the teams are choosing from those change ideas and they make the change and then they keep collecting their data to see if their change leads to an improvement. So over the last kind of nine months or so, we have supported around 80 teams to do this. We know that we've had really good feedback from teams. So we're confident that this approach is working for primary care teams. And I think probably the best bit of feedback we've had is that teams are using, they're finishing their seven week program. And then they're taking their learning and they're applying it to something else kind of on their own, which is great to know because it means that they've grown their confidence in using data and using quality improvement approaches to test changes. So I think that's been a really positive outcome from this work, not to mention the, the improvements that they've made in their systems as well. As you say, April, the programme has been designed to support their current needs and some of the pressures faced by GPs. Can you talk us through an example of this? Sure. So one of the teams that we worked with was a, a team in South Ayrshire, and they had a really high demand for acute prescriptions. So people phoning in for prescriptions that they were on uh, on a long term basis. And this leads to pressure on not only clinical staff, but admin staff as well. So they had a look at their acute prescription demand and they figured out what types of prescriptions were most commonly requested. So they created a new procedure to deal with these in a safe way, but that would allow them to review and then put people's prescriptions on repeat. So after they did their change, their number of acute prescription requests dropped from about 50 or 60 per day to an average of about 28 per day. And that's a significant drop in demand that allows them to spend that time on something else. So, and, and we know that this is an issue right across the country. This is not something that's special to this particular practice. 
So this is something that we um, are now offering as a special cohort, if you will, of our primary care access program, just for practices who want to look at testing work on prescribing. So that's something we're testing at the moment and we'll be sharing more about later. Thanks, April. Now that we understand some of the context around the improvement work that's taking place, let's turn to a GP practice that has practical experience of participating in the seven-week access programme. I'd like to welcome Alison Franklin, Practice Manager at Murray Coast Medical Practice in Grampian. Alison, you've taken part in the Primary Care Access Programme and it would be good to get an understanding of your practice and the issues you were hoping to solve. Can you tell me about some of the challenges you faced? Certainly. Like every bit of the NHS, unfortunately at the moment we're struggling. Um, We're really quite struggling to meet the demand. Our concern is around the huge number of patients that we see on the day, so with on-the-day urgent requests, and that we were getting bogged down with huge numbers of patients, and that our concern was we were missing the important ones. So we decided that we needed to have a look at a way to manage the system better, to make sure we didn't miss any of the important patients. All calls are important. All calls are certainly important to the patient. But you'll understand there's a big difference between a minor illness complaint and somebody who's seriously ill. And we were getting to the point where we were concerned we were missing people just because of the huge volume of calls we were getting that were all ending up on what's called a duty screen. So it's requests for on the day attention. We were looking at numbers in 150, 160. It's fairly understandable to see how things could get lost in that system. And we needed to look at a different way of managing the way the calls were handled. And if that involved some triage or a bit of sensible uh, putting people in the right place from the admin team alongside the training that goes along with that to make sure that anything that came through as a particularly urgent call was flagged to the emergency team, the duty team, the duty doctor on the day. So it was dealt with first. So what did you decide to do and how did you make those decisions? And we were fortunate to be offered an eight-week programme um, with some support, which enabled us to have a clear look at the data. The data proved what we initially thought. We'd always suspected that a huge number of our on-the-day on the calls were around minor illness. Our big concern has always been that we lost people in that system because there was such a huge volume of calls. Often our on-the-day screen is 140 plus, and we, the concern was that we would lose patients who were poorly in the midst of that. Um, absolutely all patients were poorly. They all needed some attention. But our concern was the difference between the minor illness and the chronically ill or the acutely ill that actually needed to be seen first in that process. So we collected data over a couple of weeks. Um, We had a quick review of the data. This was an eight-week sprint programme. We hadn't got much time to make decisions, but we'd already put in place a minor illness clinic nurse and done some training with our admin team to try and support that. We were very conscious of the fact it was towards the back end of the year and we were going to be looking at winter pressures and it was how we were going to manage the winter pressures. So we created a minor illness clinic, which runs at the moment. It runs every afternoon. There are 15 15 appointments every 10 minutes. A normal GP appointment is around 15 minutes. And we can increase and decrease that clinic size depending on the pressures at the time. An example is around the winter when we saw lots of poorly children, strep A hit the news um, and understandably lots of parents were worried about their children. 
and the only way to reassure anybody was to actually see the child. So we saw significant numbers of children over that short period when strep A was hitting the news. We very much wanted it to be a direct access clinic. We didn't want these patients to be triaged, so filtered by the doctor. What we wanted them to be able to do was to book straight into that clinic. So with some training and support for our admin team, working to a list of patients that they could book directly into that clinic, such as ear infections, chest infections, those type of illnesses, they were able to book those patients straight into a clinic. So when they were receiving the call at nine o'clock in the morning, they could book the patient in and give them a time to be seen. This greatly improved the patient satisfaction because the patient normally in a day when they call in for an emergency on the day appointment ends up on a long list and essentially spends the day waiting for a phone call. Now they had a time to come in um, and they knew they would be seen and sorted at that time. From an admin team point of view, they loved the fact that they could give the patient something. They could actually say to them, come in at 10 past two or whatever. As I say, we did do some adjustments around the winter pressures um, and we're expecting to do more towards the summer months. So winter pressures, as everybody's aware, strep A was particularly a problem this year um, and chest infections always are. Um, We're expecting the summer to be more round things like people managing hay fever and other sort of summer diseases. We're in an area of Scotland where tick bites feature at a great rate of knots. Um, And again, it would be useful to be able to have a clinic where we can book somebody in to get these problems sorted. And what difference did you feel your changes made? Did you get any feedback, for instance, from patients on how it impacted them? The the study actually made us have a look at feedback, which is excellent. Again, these are the things that get forgotten uh, with time. But we had some fairly immediate feedback from our staff who were over the moon at being able to give a patient an appointment time to be seen on the same day while they were actually on the phone. Our normal answer for on the day duty calls is to put them on a screen. They get seen by various clinicians and a call back, which essentially means the patient's waiting for a call back. But being able to actually give them an appointment on the day made a huge difference to our admin team who felt that they were actually able to do something on the day. The fact that they were trusted to make the decision as to who needed to be seen on the day. um, Again, we'd done a significant amount of training around that. We worked to a list of symptoms and I'm thinking things like ear infections or chest infections. So just to make sure that the person dealing with those patients was actually capable of dealing with those patients. So she was able to listen to a chest. She was able to diagnose a chest infection. She was able to do a prescription for them. And from a patient perspective, we very quickly noticed that patients were then starting to give us a call to ask if they could be seen in the minor illness clinic in the afternoon, particularly around poorly children. We probably attempted this at the right time. So it was towards the back end of last year. And obviously over the winter and the significant winter pressures, especially this year when we've seen a significant hike in child illness, particularly around strep A over the Christmas period, it made a huge difference to the practice. We increased the number of appointments available because these children needed to be seen. Strep A was hitting the news at a great rate of knots. Um, Parents were understandably concerned and it doesn't matter how much you spoke to somebody over the phone, parents weren't going to be happy unless their child had actually been seen for very good reasons. It sounds like a lot of really positive things going on there, Alison. 
What are the main things that you've learned by going through this process and how will you continue testing and improving the services in the practice? Like everything that we do in practice, it's a continual chop and change. Um, but what this has actually proven is that actually looking at the data on a regular basis actually supports that. We actually need to look at what difference it's making on the ground um, to make those changes. So over the winter period, we had a significant influx of, of poorly children, and we do every winter, this is nothing particularly unusual. Um, and over the summer, we're expecting a different sort of minor illness, but just to keep a handle on the number of patients and the number of appointments we need to be able to manage that service. And it's the constant review of appointments versus the demand needed. That's a really interesting insight. Many thanks for that, Alison, and we wish you the very best of luck going forward. Thank you. So that's one general practice that has worked with us. Let's have a look now at a general practice in Perth that has had a different set of challenges to address. So to find out more, we're delighted to welcome Dr. Savannah Irving, GP at Perth City Medical Centre in Tayside. Savannah. Tell us a little bit more about the issues you've faced and why you decided to join the ACCESS programme. Hi there. Um, good morning. Thank you for having me on um, the podcast. So our practice uh, in Perth is currently struggling with um, an unprecedented patient demand for appointments. And this puts pressure on all members of our team within the practice, from reception staff to our nurses, doctors and the practice manager. And we decided that we wanted to join the ACCESS program because we wanted to be proactive and we're constantly looking for ways to try to improve our systems. And that includes um, things like patient access. And we specifically felt that patients were requesting urgent appointments instead of routine appointments and because they felt that they couldn't wait for routine appointments. Our routine appointments were often being filled very, very quickly and often two weeks in advance. And therefore, when patients were phoning the practice, they were repeatedly being told to phone back the next day when more routine appointments may become available. And because there were no routine of appointments available on the day or for the rest of that week. And so this, this led to frustration, both for patients, but also for our um, reception staff, because they felt like they weren't being able to offer patients what they were looking for. And our reception staff are very highly trained. They are able to appropriately redirect patients when, as I said, when, when appropriate for the pharmacy or physio, but a lot of patients remain keen to, to consult with a GP, which is understandable. So we just really wanted to look at, at that aspect of our access, specifically appointments. So what was the approach that you took to solve the problem? So um, we, we wanted to, to join the Healthcare Improvement uh, Scotland um, Access Programme because we felt that we would possibly need some more support to, to look at ways that we could change our appointment system. And um, we joined quite early. I think we were um, one of the earlier cohorts, cohort one, um, because as I said, we wanted to be um, quite proactive in, in how we were changing our appointment system. Um, and then within that, within that project and that um, assistance 
through Healthcare Improvement Scotland, we create a, a project team. And I think our project team was really important in, in how we approached our problems. So the project team included myself as a doctor within the practice, but it also included two members of our um, admin or reception team. Um, and their insight was invaluable because as doctors, sometimes I think we focus on the patient and the patient problem in front of us. Um, and sometimes we can be a little bit removed possibly from the appointment system and the appointment processes. So um, it was that integration within our team that I think helped us uh, solve, solve our problem. So how did Health Improvement Scotland help support you in that work? We had an individual within Healthcare Improvement Scotland who served as 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 a mentor, almost not a manager, but um, she was really instrumental to um, to help us uh, with with the project. She she touched base with us. She helped us um, think about ideas and and things that we could do to to look at the appointment system. And then um, when we came up with our own. Um, idea of what we wanted to look at, she then helped um, signpost us to the tools that Healthcare Improvement Scotland have created to collect data. Um, and then once we had collected the data, she actually met with us face to face so we could look at process mapping. And process mapping was not really something that I've done before. And what that does is it helps us find sort of bottlenecks within the system. And then that allows us to target specific tests of change within those within the system um, looking at specifically at those bottlenecks but really I think for me as well it was all about sort of the data tools that uh, healthcare improvement Scotland provided us with so you mentioned tools there what were the key tools for you in helping to bring about a change in your practice so uh, as I as I mentioned uh, before we had a, an individual within healthcare improvement Scotland who served as a coach um, and she was really helpful in again sort of helping us decide which of our data collection tools or which tool would be more helpful to collect the data that that we needed um, and Healthcare Improvement Scotland have, have a few uh, data tools, but the one that we use is called a demand navigation tool. Um, and th what this tool does is it compares sets of data side by side. And what we did specifically is we request, we compared what was requested by a patient during a, a phone call, and then we analyzed what the patient actually received, whether or not that was a redirection to the chemist or physio, whether the patient had an urgent appointment booked, or whether the patient had a nurse appointment booked, or whether the patient received a, a routine appointment. We also had what the patient received is if the patient had was asked to phone back. So we collected that information as well. Um, and I think that was really essential showing us how many patients or what percentage of patients were being asked to phone back on a different day. You know, that was showing us the type of um, sort of frustration patients might be might be feeling if they were consistently being asked to phone back, especially when they were requesting a routine appointment. So were there any challenges your practice came across when you started the improvement work? Um, I think there's always some challenges when you're trying to do a test of change um, because you know that there there might be um, an issue or, or a problem. But, you know, when, when we're very busy and trying to meet a lot of patient demand, you can sometimes become possibly a bit entrenched in the appointment system that you have or you just feel that it's not a good time to, to change. 
and you're, you're sort of putting a Band-Aid over, <laughs> over an open bleeding wound type thing, I think we decided this was the, a, a good time for, for us to, to do the test of change. So we just went, we just sort of put our heads down and just did it, um, which I think was really good. And, and Healthcare Improvement Scotland helped us with that because it's the, the type of program that they run. It's, it's a short program. So it's a, it's a seven week sprint. And that means that, yes, it's, it's a lot of work, but you put the work in and then you can look at the results at the end of it, which is super, super helpful. I think as well, you can try to bite off a little bit more than you can chew. And what our, our coach really encouraged us to do was just to start small. And that was a really big learning point for me. You know, not all tests of changes have to be huge. You just start with trying to, to change a, a few things or just one thing. And so for us, it was just trying to offer more routine appointments and, and how we went about doing that. And, and even now, after we've stopped with the project, I think we are able to offer more of those routine appointments during the week rather than just, you know, several weeks in, in advance. Great stuff. Thank you very much for joining us, Savannah. It's been great to hear your story and to get your insights on the programme. Thank you. Not a problem. Thank you so much for having me on. Hopefully we've given you an insight into how GP practices are working to improve care and access to care. But what about the future of this work? Can we expect to see the types of improvements we've seen in Murray Coast and Perth City replicated more widely across the NHS? We asked April her thoughts on the future of the programme. We've been really pleased that practices across Scotland have really embraced this programme and had, as I said before, lots and lots of people joining the programme. So, and the positive feedback we've had has been immense. Just people saying that they can't believe what they've managed to achieve in just seven weeks. So uh, yes, we absolutely believe that more people can benefit from this and we hope that people will join us um, and we'll continue to offer it over 23, 24. And so if people are interested in joining, they can apply via our website. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for listening to this month's episode covering the Primary Care Access Programme and how improvement methodology is used to address some of the challenges currently facing primary care. If you'd like to join the programme, please visit our website. If you'd like to keep up to date with our work in the meantime or to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter, LinkedIn and on Facebook. We look forward to welcoming you back in a month's time. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.